Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I think it took me a long time to understand that someone telling me what to do, someone controlling my reactions, someone giving me manipulation, narcissism, whatever you may say, all of that was not healthy for me. And that continued my own intergenerational trauma pattern and put my children in that situation. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you, what makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story, what happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hello, my beautiful friends. If you struggle with body image, it often comes down to how much you love yourself. My blog post this week is called Eight Powerful Ways That Embracing Self-Love Leads to a Positive Body Image. Check it out. The link to this blog post is in the show notes. Generational patterns are not obvious. We don't see them. 
We don't know that they're running our lives until we find that awareness. Lisa's dad was struggling with some major mental health issues when she was growing up and her mum was doing her best to cope. Lisa grew up in the chaos and she took on the trauma of the environment around her. She didn't understand when she chose to marry an older controlling man that she was repeating the cycle. It wasn't until one of her children began to also struggle that Lisa saw that she needed to make a change. She needed to leave her marriage. She needed to get control of her life back and she needed to figure out who she actually was. How can you know who you are when you've been told what to do your entire life? We pick the story up as Lisa is explaining how her dad's mental health issues were affecting her from a very young age. As a child, I was very well known who I was and who my father was and, and you know, how he interacted with the world, the things he did. He was very open with his beliefs and he was very open with his display of beliefs and he would make his appearance look different than many other people. So I would gain nicknames and I would gain stories and things like that. And I had been through some community abuse just simply because I was his daughter. So there were definitely some moments of difficulty. Then it became that I started trauma bonding with a large group of friends and we're actually still friends till today. And we all sort of had our own issues of trauma and sort of came together and became like this little family helping each other through things. And then I met my, my husband and um, I was quite young and he was a little bit older than me. So I, I tend, I tended to date people who were a little bit older than me and sort of try to escape the turmoil at home, but in turn, what I was doing was just having these abandonment issues and looking for love from people who were a little bit older than me. Yeah. So it's almost like craving that, that not, not a father figure, but almost like you just want that person that you feel like knows what they're doing almost in the world, isn't it? It's interesting. Yes. So that that's a beautiful thing, though, that you connected with this group of people who are all struggling with their own issues. And, Absolutely. And just finding that group, because if you can imagine going through what you've been through without that, it would be such a different experience, right? Absolutely. And we just had breakfast the other day and trying to figure out how long we were friends. And it's been some of us 33 years, some of us 35, some of us 36. I'm definitely aging myself. But it's a lifelong friendship. And we're all doing fairly well in life, you know, and we've all pretty much found our way. There's, you know, some individuals have not as much. But majority of us are doing very well in life. So we are proud of that fact that we came together and helped each other through things. Absolutely. It's just incredible, isn't it? Because so many people just don't have either parent that's there for them. And it sounds like your mum was there for you to a degree, but that it is a coping mechanism for people just to abandon the entire thing 
just to not want to know about it. And it's incredibly difficult for a child to figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah, my mom wanted to be completely present, but she was dealing with a lot of upheaval in herself, you know, a lot of difficulties. And she got to a place where she wanted to find peace, health, contentment, and stability. And when you are raised in trauma, as I was, as she was, sometimes it's very difficult to find a place of peace, stability, and contentment. And it's also in some way, some odd way, peaceful and content to live within the chaos because it's what you've been conditioned to know. So it takes a lot of unlearning the learning that you've already learned through the inter, you know, generational patterns to feel to feel comfortable to move away from that chaos and to in turn find solitude in peace and the contentment and the stability of being balanced. Yeah, absolutely. It's so foreign, isn't it, to feel peace. It's so foreign to us to feel just so conditioned to everything being crazy, loud, your nervous system is always up here kind of right you just don't understand that peace and when you actually do find that it's such a beautiful thing so was there a level of shame around your father how did you deal with that because we live in a world where where there's so much shame isn't there projected towards there people still is. with mental yeah still is still every is. single day realistically people don't want to know about this stuff. It's just too hard and and people don't want to connect in with it. There's still so much shame. There definitely is. I could have gone into many different directions based on my intergenerational trauma, based on my experience, but I went into a direction where I wanted to learn more about it, to understand it. That was after 20 some years of struggling with it. And in doing so, I'm at a place where I'm understanding how to claim my story, how to reclaim my story, and how to move in a direction that allows me to feel that I can take the power back and take control back of my trauma. However, for years, there was a lot of shame affiliated with what I was going through, with who my father was, with how my household was, and in just recalling this information in this conversation, it can bring about some shame in having to relive some of those things. And then intergenerationally, it passed on a little bit with one of my children who struggled with her own sense of trauma. And in the marriage that I entered into caused its own set of trauma until I got strong enough and got to a place where I was able to leave and move my story in a different direction and in turn their story. Yeah. And so when you partnered up with your ex-husband, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that was you being drawn towards something that was familiar? I think it was a daddy issue, <laughs> abandonment issues, daddy issues. I think it was me looking for love in all the wrong places. 
I think I mistaked control and manipulation, control and fathering from someone who was a bit older than me for love. I think it took me a long time to understand that someone telling me what to do, someone controlling my reactions, someone giving me manipulation, narcissism, whatever you may say, all of that was not healthy for me. And that continued my own intergenerational trauma pattern and put my children in that situation. And whereas my mother eventually left, I eventually left myself. Yeah. And how long was that relationship? 27 years. Oh, wow. Wow. That's a 27 years of of, uh, relationship, 20 years of marriage. Wow. That's incredible. So after 27 years of being with somebody, what allows you to make the change? What allows you to leave? What happened? Well, I'm a therapist and it's ironic. I'm a therapist because I went to years and years and years and years of therapy in processing and understanding my story and understanding where I was and understanding how I was a survivor. I don't see myself as a victim. I see myself as a survivor of trauma and in understanding why it was necessary for me to take back this information after years and years and years of therapy. And then ironically, when I decided to, I was in 20 years of education. I was a teacher of English. I taught in primarily inner city urban environments. I went to a school in an inner city urban environment. And I have this idea of give back, you know, trying to sort of pay it forward. So I've always felt more comfortable with individuals who were from an environment that was similar to my own. So with working 20 years in an urban inner city environment, I started to see a change in the way education was perceived. And I always looked at education as a way of sort of escaping the world around us. If I became educated, like I was one of the only ones out of my group of friends who started college initially. My mom pushed me in that direction. I was 17 when I first started college. I did complete my bachelor's and I did go for education. I believed that education was the key to sort of remove myself from the environment in which I was raised. So after 20 years of being an educator, I started to notice that my students were dealing with much larger issues than what I saw in the academic arena. For example, I would give like an essay topic, like what was the best Christmas you ever had? And it would be something along the lines of when there was food in my refrigerator or when I didn't have to worry about my drug addict, you know, stepfather coming into the home. I'd start to see late students and find out that they were basically working a full-time job overnight and still going into school. And so, and they had to provide for the family. So I started to realize a lot about education. And when I started to move in a direction of studying psychology, 
I took a course. I took many courses, of course. The, one of the big things you have to do is self-reflect and understand your own bias, understand your own story, understand your own triggers, because you're ultimately going to be working with individuals and you need to understand how to help them and first need to understand your own story. So I did take a course called Marriage and Family Counseling. And in taking that course, it was very clear to me what I was living in as a married woman and what I was beginning to create as a mother. So within that course, I started to realize the importance of leaving my marriage. And then there were, you know, a multitude of things that happened that I finally got to a point where I learned to say that I love you to my ex, but I have to learn to love myself more and I need to move on. Oh, that's such a beautiful thing, isn't it? To have that realization because I don't think most women see that for most of their life to be able to say, I love me more. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And how did that feel to move on from that after 27 years? Well, it's interesting that you call it a beautiful thing because it definitely is a beautiful thing in the fact that I had that insight, but it was a very, very hard thing. I felt like a failure. When you talk about shame, that was one of the biggest things. I felt like a failure. I felt a lot of shame. I felt a lot of guilt in the fact that I felt I was destroying our family unit and that I was moving things in different directions. And I saw a lot of unraveling within my children because of the fact that I made that choice. And I saw a lot of unraveling within myself because being someone who was so used to being comfortable in chaos and people used to say to me, when you remove yourself from the situation, you're going to see how unhealthy your situation truly is, especially my group of friends. And they were right. So when I finally removed myself from that situation and I was at a place of freedom and rediscovery, it was very scary for me. It was very unsettling for me. So whereas I I had that, those four reactions of, you know, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn when I was a child, I reverted back into that as an adult where I just wanted to escape everything and, and I wanted to figure out where I was and I just didn't know who I was. And it took a long period of time 
in soul searching, in helping other individuals, in being there for my children, in sort of moving, in sort of repeating some of the patterns that I saw my mom repeat in leaving my father, that I started to understand that, you know, I could change my story and I could find a place of health and balance and contentment. Oh, yes. These things are never easy. And and there's all the advice, isn't there, to back yourself and do this. It's like such a massive process to go through all of that to actually get to the other side. And there's so much strength in actually doing that because so many people just choose to stay there because it is somehow easier, isn't it, just to stay in the chaos because that's what you know. So there's so much strength in that. We've talked a lot about generational trauma and we talk about that on this podcast all the time. Can you describe what generational trauma is? Generational trauma is basically that we end up recreating the patterns that have been instilled upon us by previous generations. So whereas, let's say, my great-grandmother may have had a similar situation where she had to deal with some sort of toxic situation in her relationship, which I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm saying if it would be, then it would be passed down to my grandmother, then it would be passed down to my mother, then it would be passed down to me, and then it would be passed down to my children. So in continuing these same patterns and in not doing the work and not understanding the patterns and not understanding how these patterns shift us in different directions, we can automatically continue continue these patterns for the next generation and bringing it from a previous generation. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And it's, it's really so much just about awareness, isn't it? Because- yes. I think we can go through our entire lives and never, ever realize what's going on. And it's obviously been happening for generations. So I think we've got to a point in time where we are starting to discuss these generational patterns and it's it's something that we're starting to become much more aware of. But so many people just never, ever look at it. What about schizophrenia and bipolar? How likely is it that those mental health issues will get passed down through the generations. Does it get passed down? There, there is a possibility that it gets passed down. The more a person is conditioned to be in the trauma and not do the discovery and not understand where they're coming from, the more likely that that diagnosis can pass through because it is within the family tree. With that said, I do not really want to talk about, you know, where it's gone from certain generations, but as someone who has dealt with mental health illness and who now sees mental health illness every single day of my life, I can state that bipolar and schizophrenia is something that lives within the bloodline and can pass down but it can also be deterred by having the proper education and the proper treatment. And the earlier the diagnosis is made, the earlier that can be counteracted. Yeah. So is, is it usually, is it usually medication that helps or is it other things? 
So with the imbalance of a person's life becomes an imbalance in the person's brain. So within the imbalance of the brain, the brain is sort of all over the place. If you think of it like a scale, it's going up and down and up and down and up and down. So when you bring medication, it's the proper medication. It can help to find that proper balance. Doesn't mean it's going to be a perfect balance, but it, it can find an, a way of balancing certain parts of the brain that would not be able to be balanced without having the medication. So it's necessary sometimes to have that psychotropic medication, which is the medication that helps to handle mental health concerns. And within that, once the proper medication is discovered, then the availability to look into our stories and to look back into some of the trauma pieces is more possible because it's very difficult to kind of see your story as like broken puzzle pieces and you leave them that way because it's easier to sort of like Pandora's box, just stick it in a box somewhere and not deal with it. But when you take those puzzle pieces out and you start to put them together one by one by one by one, and you start to create a story and you start to see the story that was created from an outsider's perspective and looking at your own life, it could be very scary. It can be very overwhelming. It can be very difficult. So it is necessary sometimes to have the balance within your brain and the medical help and the therapeutic help to be able to put those pieces back together in a proper way and to do it in a way that is more therapeutic and catharsis rather than pain and shame. Yeah, absolutely. And you've just explained that so well. There is still this shame, it seems, around people taking medication for mental health issues. I remember feeling the same myself, but my brain tells me it's a crazy idea. We will medicate everything in our bodies, you know, like what is the difference between taking medication for mental health? It's just, it interests me that it still seems to be something that is looked upon with shame. It's stigmatized. Yeah. There is something that's stigmatized about the fact that you take care of parts of your brain that are not working the way that they need to. If you took care of your body in the sense that you had, you know, cancer or diabetes or something along those lines, no one would look down upon you, Mm. you know, but if you take care of something that is off kilter because of your trauma or because of an imbalance in your brain, there's a stigma that exists. So I work very hard with my clients in making them understand that the imbalance that exists within the brain is not something to be shamed and not something to be looked down upon, but more so something that we can claim as our own and understand it to find a place of health. Like I make a joke that I think it's time to take the skeletons out of the closet and help them to dance. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. And it's so true. Like we shouldn't have, we we shouldn't have shame for any of those things. It's just so weird what society has put into all of us about what we need to feel shame about. It drives me insane. 
So if somebody's listening to this right now and they're struggling within those cycles of trauma, what would you say is the first step to changing that and going in a new direction? Finding a proper therapist, finding a therapist who will help them to work through all of that trauma and process all of that emotion. And within that, getting a psychological evaluation with a psychiatrist and seeing if there is a a medication that could be prescribed to help that individual to find the balance within the brain. I happen to be a big proponent of psychoeducation. In that sense, I believe, I don't believe in the old school way of just sort of laying someone on a couch and, and having someone, you know, facilitate it and keep all of their knowledge up in their brain and just sort of look at someone as they're some sort of a, some sort of like an experiment. I, I think it's something where we have to do community outreach and we have to understand that mental health affects many of us. In fact, statistically, if we look at it right now, there's one in five of us that are affected by mental health right. and one in six children. So if we are considering the fact that one in five of us, if we walk down a street or we go to an event or whatever, one in five of us are struggling with these situations. Why should it be something that we feel so shamed to have within our own selves? Why should it be something that's so stigmatized? Why should it be something that makes us feel so bad about ourselves and makes people judge us so intensely when one in five of us are dealing with it? Yeah. And when we talk about the, the fact that the rest of the body is okay to be treated, the brain is part of the body. The idea of having psychosomatic trauma exists. It used to be this, it's just in your head thing. The body is part of the head. The head is part of the body. What goes on in the head is eventually going to affect the rest of the body. Trauma Anxiety, depression can show in the neck, the shoulders, the stomach, the, you know, the legs, the back, whatever may be. And what's going on in the body, having ulcers, having, having any kind of problems within the body can be a result of what is going on in the head. So if it's Mm -hmm. so interconnected, why don't we work to treat them both? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week.